Hello, and welcome to One World, One Health, a place to talk about the latest ideas to improve the health of our planet and its people. I'm Maggie Fox. Planet Earth faces many challenges, pollution, climate change, and new and re-emerging infectious diseases, and they're all linked. This podcast is brought to you by the One Health Trust with bite-sized insights into ways to help. In this episode, we're chatting with Dr. Dele Ogunshetan, who's a professor of population health and disease prevention at the University of California, Irvine. Among the many things he studies is how toxic pollutants affect the health of people and the environment. We're chatting with Dele about e-waste, what it is, and how recycling might help protect not only the environment, but human health. Dele, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us about this. Thank you, Maggie. It's a delight and an honor for me to be able to share my work with your audience. Can you tell us first off, what is e-waste? E-waste is a short way of referring to electronic waste. And you and I, as well as everyone in your audience, are responsible for generating e-waste because we all use mobile phones, laptop computers, iPads, airboards, some home appliances. Almost all of them now have electronic circuitry to make them function well. Most of these products uh, don't last long, uh, maybe three to five years before we are ready to upgrade them and purchase new versions. At the end of their useful life, these products can either be recycled, but we do know that a lot of them end up in the environment, landfills getting incinerated or simply dumped. And that's when they become e-waste. And that's the problem that uh, we face in terms of the just the sheer volume globally and the fact that they contain toxic chemicals makes them particularly uh, important for us to have solutions to how to deal with them. Can you tell us what some of these toxic chemicals are? Yes. In the early days of um, manufacturing electronics, the printed circuit board used uh, tin lead solder to attach the components to what we call the printed circuit board, the typically green board that you'll see if you've ever opened up an electronic product. That lead is notorious as a toxicant. Um, there is no safe level of exposure to lead. But in recent uh, times, uh, with the evolution of technology, there are additional toxic chemicals in electronic waste. Mercury used to be found in the screens, which were lit with fluorescent lighting. But we have in the batteries, we could have cadmium, nickel. All electronic products have a certain uh, requirement to have flame retardants uh, so that they don't catch on fire. And those chemicals are toxic. They're bruminated flame retardants uh, that are also bad for the environment in terms of the ozone layer and also for human health. There are uh, electronic products that contain the notorious PFAS, perfluorooctanoic acid uh, substances that are also now considered very dangerous for human health. So it's a wide range of, of chemicals uh, that are present. And that's why we must keep them away from uh, people and the environment when products are no longer useful. They're not dangerous when we're using them, uh, but it's when we throw them out and they get degraded that the toxins are released. And so what, what happens to them when people throw them out? How do they get into the environment? 
There are many policies at the state level in California and nationally uh, in some states, but not all, and also internationally uh, to keep electronic products out of the domestic waste stream. But there is very limited infrastructure for collecting electronic products and um, recycling them. And so what happens is that people tend to uh, store them at home And when they move or doing cleaning, they don't really know where to put them. So they ultimately end up in the same bins as we throw out uh, domestic waste. Sometimes uh, this go into landfills where they could leach these metals into groundwater. Uh, Sometimes from the United States, there is evidence that they're shipped internationally. And where there are no environmental policies or good labor laws, People tend to try to recover small amounts of gold, copper, and some other precious materials from e-waste. And in so doing, they could burn them and thereby release uh, all of the toxic materials in the ash or go into the atmosphere. And uh, sometimes they are just dumped. And when it rains, uh, it contaminates soil and the water resources, rivers, streams, lakes, and groundwater. And when people use those resources, they are inadvertently exposed to these toxic chemicals, which endangers the population's health. And so you mentioned that California has some rules about um, recycling or or properly disposing of these products. And I know some other states in the U.S. do. What you say indicates to me that despite these efforts, this stuff is getting into landfills, not just in the United States, but around the world. That's exactly right. Um, It's not for lack of knowledge that e-waste is toxic and dangerous. It's also for not for lack of trying to do policy. It's the lack of infrastructure and public education about what to do. We did studies many years ago uh, in California. We found that most people are willing to travel up to four miles away from their home to dispose of electronic waste, e-waste that they know to be dangerous. Uh, But most of us cannot name a collection facility within four miles of our home. We also know that people are willing to pay about 10% premium price for less toxic electronic products, which do not generate as much waste. And so we need manufacturers to pay attention uh, to the design of the products to reduce the toxic load. But we also need the government agencies at the city level to the state level to invest in these collection infrastructures, including, in my opinion, that we should have an additional bin at every household for collecting hazardous waste that uh, waste management uh, companies can come around maybe once a month uh, in a neighborhood to collect them. So we have the policies, we have not followed them up with the infrastructure and the education that's needed to tighten the the belt around this problem. And so if these products are collected separately and recycled, how does that help keep the toxins away from people? The toxins that go in e-waste after it's been discarded into the environment can last a very, very long time. 
And so we're better off preventing those toxicants from uh, getting into the environment and into people's uh, you know, health space. So there are, as I, I noted earlier, that some people try to recover small amounts of gold and copper that's present in, in e-waste. So those are precious resources. In fact, some research shows that there's more gold in e-waste collectively than in mining natural ores. And so it can be profitable if we collect enough of it. And that keeps the toxicants from reaching people and the environment, but also saving precious resources uh, for the planet. Now that we're all worried about climate change, we're shifting to rechargeable batteries for cars, for homes. And the reality is we're now nearing a scarcity of metals like cobalt, which are needed for lithium-ion batteries and other kinds of rechargeable batteries. What we throw away in e-waste with all its rechargeable batteries, small amounts of cobalt that we can also recover and reuse. Whereas when we throw it out into the environment, it becomes toxic, impacting people's health and environmental quality. So you, you use a term that's called a circular economy. Can you explain how that fits in with everything you've just told us? Thank you. It's a relatively new term, uh, circular economy, as the name implies. There's a circularity of uh, breaking the current practices from what we call the take, make, waste, which is a linear economy. You take products from the planet through mining, you make electronic products, and you throw them away as waste. So that's a take, make, waste, linear economy. The circular economy bends that loop. We can take some, make the products we want, but the waste is returned into the making loop. So it circularizes that process by collecting all of the materials that we need from used electronics and using those materials to make new electronic products. That not only prevents us from depleting natural resources through mining, which has its own environmental problems, but it also prevents the e-waste from becoming a problem for the environment and for people. So completing that circle is what circular economy is about. And it can apply to many products, including plastics, but electronics electronics in particular subject to this secularization because we know we have the technology to do it, but we just have not invested in the infrastructure to get it done, to essentially close the circle. And, and how does this fit into the whole idea of One Health, that all of these things are linked, the climate, the environment, people, this toxic waste? That's a great question, Maggie. One Health is a, uh, an approach uh, that began by trying to understand that the health of people, the health of animals, and the health of the environment are all linked. If you take a, a, a toxic metal like lead or mercury, we know uh, we, we have uh, hundreds of years of research showing that these metals are toxic uh, to people. Uh, and we can understand the symptoms, we can diagnose it, and maybe even have some therapy uh, to repair people's health. However, we also know that lead is very toxic to animals, um, as, as well as mercury. Uh, and we know uh, that the ecosystem suffers when we throw out these pollutants 
into systems. You know, we have evidence of uh, reproductive toxicity, uh, deformation of animals, even plants uh, suffer some of these uh, impacts from toxic uh, materials. So one health uh, framework is very appropriate uh, for this kind of uh, work on e-waste because when we pollute the environment, uh, we need to look beyond just the people who come to the hospitals to seek care, but to track those pollutants, how might they be affecting other organisms, uh, including bacteria that the whole uh, environmental system depends on in terms of the uh, natural cycling of uh, elements like carbon and nitrogen, uh, and so forth that are so critical for maintaining balance on our planet. When we destabilize that balance by introducing toxic chemicals where they don't belong at concentrations that are so high that no organism can survive, then we are really doing damage uh, to planetary health. And One Health and Planetary Health in that respect are complementing frameworks. So if you, an average citizen, want to help, what can you do to help? The first thing that I recommend is that we are kind of addicted to electronics. And I'm convinced that if we all use our phones or laptops or iPads or TVs, maybe one more year, uh, we not only save money, but we probably will save a lot of e-waste from uh, getting into the environment. I know that this sounds like we're trying to tell the rich electronics manufacturing companies not to make as much profit because their profit is about selling us new products. But they could also make a lot of money by helping us repair products and keeping them longer and giving us software that's compatible. So that's the first thing that consumers can do. Consider uh, buying products that are compatible with your old products. So the same chargers, the same uh, ability to use upgraded software, and don't throw them out, uh, most importantly, into the domestic trash. If you can travel four or five miles to drop off at a renowned facility, please do so. Uh, otherwise, there's no way to recover these things once you put it in that bin that goes to the landfill. So uh, collect them over time if you don't have time to do so now. So maybe over a year or two, put them all in one bag and drive them or take a bus or ride your bicycle to a place where you know they will treat it properly. And that's important. Not all places that promise to treat you with properly do so. So do a little bit of research online. You'll find a lot of information about places that make empty promises. Our waste should not be endangering our neighbors. And I mean neighbors not just in the next block over, but also in other countries uh, where people need the jobs, where they don't need to compromise their life and their health uh, to get that job done. Daley, thanks so much for sharing these ideas. It's wonderful speaking with you. Thank you, Maggie. My pleasure. Listeners can share this podcast, which is brought to you by the One Health Trust, by email, LinkedIn, or your favorite social media platform. And let us know what else you'd like to hear about at O-W-O-H at OneHealthTrust.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to One World, One Health, brought to you by the One Health Trust.
I'm Ramanan Lakshminarayan, founder and president of the One Health Trust. You can subscribe to One World One Health on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at One Health Trust One Word for updates on One World One Health and the latest in research on One Health issues like drug resistance, disease spillovers, and the social determinants of health. Finally, please do consider donating to the One Health Trust to support this podcast and other initiatives and research that help us promote health and well-being worldwide. Until next time.